Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerberson with Reed Bacon. We have a special guest today. It is Dan Harrelson of Vols Wire for USA Today. Uh, we talk about his depth charts he's been putting out, defense and offense. Um, you know, who is he thinking is going to start this, this year, especially at the quarterback position? We know that's a big question. And just getting to talk some ball. Uh, great conversation with him and uh, super excited for this one. So let's jump into it. The game. Snap, the kick is in the air and the kick this time is no sir Reed. No sir Reed. Final score, Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up, fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught by Tennessee. Tennessee wins! by Tennessee to one Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Kent, touchdown on play number one. Before we get into the show, got to shout out our number one sponsor at betonline.ag. They are the best place to place any bets. Um, they always have best stats and news and odds, anything that you're looking for. You know, finals going on right now in the NBA. Baseball is in full swing, and that's the place to go. If you're looking to bet on anything, they already have odds up of NFL MVP next year. They have odds of Damian Lillard, where he might be traded. So anything that you could think of, that's where you need to go. So visit the website or use your mobile device to sign up today um, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before every face-off, tip-off, or pitch, head over to betonline.ag today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, welcome in everybody. Um, we welcome a special guest today. It is Dan Harrelson. He is the managing editor for Vols Wire for USA Today. He also has a podcast of him uh, by himself with uh, Tennessee Two a Days. So uh, welcome in, Dan. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty well. I, I love this time of year. Of course, SEC Media Days is is approaching. That means fall training camps here. So you know how that goes. You, you've been through it. So it's just a fun time of the year, especially with COVID kind of in our rearview mirror. And maybe we'll have a, 
actual real season this year or normal season. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so before we get into any questions, uh, tell the people where they can find you on social media, uh, you know, how they can follow you, all that kind of stuff, promote, promote what you got. Yeah, so I'm at Twitter. Uh, I'm at Dan Harrelson and ballswire.com. And you can also get there, ballswire.usatoday.com and Tennessee Two Days on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes. Okay, great, great. So uh, one of the big things why we wanted to bring you on, you do have these depth charts that you've been putting out. Now you're on number eight for defense and I think number 11 for offense. Is there a certain number that you're like, I got to stop, I got to stop updating? Or uh, is there, you know, a certain reason why you're like, hey, now I'm going to update because of what I saw from a coach in an interview or maybe something you saw at practice? What, what, what is those updates? What do they mean when you do update that? Hey, it's like uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay with all their uh, mock drafts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's actually how I started this with like 1.0, 2.0, and uh, like 8.0 now. But it was a lot. I started doing this last year, and it was a whole lot easier when the transfer portal was not like a huge deal. But <laughs> now it's a huge deal. So I, I didn't put one out. Uh, I think like two weeks into spring training or spring practices and I put another one out around July 1st time and that's the most recent one just because there was so much movement uh, and so, so I put that back out there because looking at my notes here Kamal Hay- Hayden cornerback he came from Auburn Dejon Terry from from Kansas another lineman, uh, Caleb Trembley from USC, Javante Payton, wide receiver from Mississippi State, William Mohan, linebacker, Michigan to Tennessee, Juwan Mitchell, linebacker, Texas to UT, and then, of course, Joe Milton at the quarterback spot from Michigan. So a lot of movement. I just decided not to do it every single time because I think when you do it like that, as much movement that we've seen with Tennessee, maybe some people don't really care as much. So I figured <laughs> I'd just throw it out there right for SEC media days. Yeah, don't want to oversaturate the market. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> so I, I do want to start on the uh, defensive side of the ball uh, and go over the depth chart that you did put out, the 8.0. Uh, hey, Kyler, let me Kyler, let me jump in just real, real quick. I want to yeah. ask, before before we before we go into kind of each position, uh, Mr. Dan, where do you like how, – how do you kind of – is this like just your projection or like where are you kind of coming up with some of these things or is it just like who, like Kyler said earlier, maybe who you're talking with or who you're hearing stuff from or like how are you coming up with some of these different ones? Yeah, so look at last year with Jeremy Pruitt. He, he had the huge split safety coverage scheme, so it was kind of tailored to that. And now with Banks coming in, he, he does a variety of different things. So it's just kind of looking at Banks' history – yeah, and what they could do there with like four three or a, a stack type look. Uh, he he has a, a viper of position and a couple other things going on. So it's kind of tailored to, to what I've seen Banks do. And what what I I guess I looked at Banks the most was at Illinois and then his time at Penn State recently. And but but so that's for that's for scheme wise. But for player wise, when you're actually saying, hey, I think it's going to be you know, Elijah Simmons at D-tackle or Aubrey Solomon or, you know, Elijah Simmons at nose, Aubrey Solomon at D-tackle, and then uh, Tamari McDonald at Viper. You, those are the ones you were kind of just trying to 
to place almost like because that's what you're thinking right and okay. and to, to be honest right now it's it's kind of just plug in place based off the roster that that okay. we were able to see and then what we were able to see during spring practices and, it, and credit josh heifel and, and his coaching staff for opening up a practice and then of course the spring game so you do get a, a see a little bit about that uh, what they may do scheme wise and you know, Willie Martinez, he's back, so we know a little bit about what he likes to do. So, right. uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm more of an offensive guy. And so, I I, I put a lot of more – I've studied when, – when Josh Heupel got hired in January, I, I've been studying his offense and actually going to release a, a project on his offense pretty soon. I, I kind of went back to his different stops and, and really – focused on that but uh, as far as the defense goes I just kind of plug in place based off the the UT football roster and Banks' okay. history and what we got to see this spring okay cool okay cool go ahead Kyler I'm sorry oh no you're good uh, that's great uh, great questions honestly to 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 hear that side of it and what you're what you're thinking and the fact that this isn't just like a fluke thing like you're studying what Tim Banks does you're studying what Josh Heupel does so there's a full understanding of what, what's going on. So that's, that is definitely good to hear. Um, one to start up front, you know, Reed mentioned a little bit, Aubrey Solomon at tackle, Elijah Simmons at nose. I'm thinking that was what is on everybody's mind I, that those two are probably going to be the interior guys. And I wonder, and it, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to do with the jet tart, but if Emerson and Middleton, the two guys who just transferred, kind of got that same feeling where it's Elijah and it's Solomon and there's no no one else and that is probably the reason why they left and wanted to transfer just because they're not getting that starting spot I mean would you say that's pretty accurate Dan for the reason that they uh, transferred I guess yeah yeah for the reason yeah I mean you know I, I hated to see Emerson go and because I think he would have been a pretty good body on defense because we know how fast this offense is going to go, whether they score quick or they go three and out or get a quick first down. And uh, then they have to punt after they can't get another first down. So this defense is going to be out there and you really need those bodies like Daryl and, and a Greg Emerson type. So, yeah, I think uh, the, the depth chart too maybe was not in their favor because you look at Aubrey Solomon, Matthew Butler, I think he's – See, that's who I was going to bring up, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Matthew Butler. I'm, I'm glad he's been able to talk to the media a couple times last year because he's really mature and he's just really setting in a good position for, for this season this year also. And I, I like him. I think they're going to need him this year for the, the depth purposes. But I think a guy like Aubrey, you know, it's a big year for him. I mean, is he – a going to be an NFL type guy. Can, can he improve his stock? So he's got that on his plate, but I think we'll probably see both Matthew Butler and a guy like Aubrey Solomon this year. Uh, uh, let me jump in here, Kyler. And the other thing is too, and that's a good question. I didn't know about the, if you think that's a reason that they may be transferred, but I mean, really we know that, I mean, as competitors, we all want to be the starter. But, like, when it comes to D-line, man, those guys are going to rotate so much that you're still going to get plenty of snaps and plenty of opportunities. So, you know, because I was going to jump in. Like, it might not be Aubrey Solomon start. It might be uh, Matthew Butler that starts. I mean, you know how D-line goes. I mean, they're both going to, you know, whatever. And maybe depends on who we're playing as well. But, um, but yeah, I, 
I just, yeah, I guess that's what I wanted to hear is if you think it would, you know, maybe helped um, depth wise. And, and I, I said on our podcast, I think Greg Emerson was the, the much better of the two who went for injuries. I, I don't think the Darrell Middleton loss was, was that big of a deal, but that, that's just me. I'll tell you another thing about Emerson. I, I think, See, if you look at Josh Heupel and his offenses over the years, he loves to put guys like Greg Emerson and Latrell Bumpus over on the offensive side in whether it be short yardage, goal line, red zone. Uh, when, when the field is kind of shorter, he loves to, to do that. He did that a lot at UCF. And I, I, a couple months ago, I put together some stats uh, of some defensive guys that he put on offense from various situations. And I think Emerson was going to be used like that too. Okay. Yeah. Is it, have we seen if it has Emerson landed anywhere yet? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so either. All right, Kyle, go ahead with some of your other, other yeah, questions. Yeah. I, I, I like that. The, the defensive guy going in a big package. Um, I could definitely see Elijah Simmons doing that uh, <laughs> because some of the athleticism I saw from practice and talking with Cooper Mays and him just being like, dude, this guy is legit. Like, he is very good and very athletic, like sneaky athletic that I think he could uh, – Heupel could take advantage of that on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I always love big man getting a touchdown. So, if he does that, it's awesome. <laughs> um, That's right. So, I, I, I'm excited about Jawan Mitchell. You know, you mentioned him earlier. He, you know, you have him as, you know, our starting mic. And – I, I love that. I think he was going to be the starter right away coming in. And uh, it seems like with the amount of experience he has being at Texas, like he's going to be not only the starter, but the leader of the defense. I mean, we haven't got to see him practice, but do you feel that way? Do you feel that like he's going to be the guy everyone turns to not necessarily an older guy has been there like uh, Alante Taylor um, or some of these other guys have been here for a while? I think so, because uh, he has experience, obviously, come from Texas. And you, you look at the mic spot, you have Jeremy Banks, who, you know, he's got experience too, but we're still waiting to see him kind of turn that corner uh, since he was reinstated to the program. And then Solomon Page, the third, he's another guy that can provide some depth there. But you, you look at Banks and Page, I just think a guy like Mitchell coming in, power five experience, uh, I think he can bode well uh, in the middle uh, for Banks' scheme and this Tennessee defense. Hey, question on that, on that, on that, that exact same thing. So I saw it. Now, if we're assuming they're going to run a 4 2 5, are you saying that our two linebackers will be Jawan Mitchell and then Aaron Willis? Or do you think that at some point we might see Jeremy Banks and Jawan Mitchell side by side? Because because right. it, we're only gonna if, if we do run the four two five only have two two backers and then obviously Tamari McDonald probably playing the Viper you know coming down a little bit type deal but but yeah I wanted to ask you that because I didn't know how how you meant that on your on the uh, depth chart yeah I I, I can see that uh, I, as far as the four two five look goes but I think Beasley I don't think we should count him out now since he's uh, back on the team and everything. Uh, William Mohan, uh, the other transfer we were talking about earlier, I think he can be in play too. Uh, you know, that's why it's so important for this fall camp is to first 10 practices go. I think you're going to see a lot of these positions like these two linebackers for schematic reasons. 
on top of quarterback and some other places on, on the step chart to, to really figure things out. So I think right now it's just kind of putting guys down, like plugging from the roster, just kind of viewing it that way until we can finally see something concrete in fall camp. Gotcha. But I think Willis is definitely there with Beasley. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and into the, you know, DBs with Kamal Hayden and, uh, and Brandon Turnage, you know, just being recent transfers and stuff like that. You don't necessarily have them at starting um, anywhere. Do you think they might have some roles coming in, um, you know, be able to take over some of those positions, maybe the nickel with Kamal Hayden, you know, maybe uh, being a starting corner with Turnage. I mean, obviously we do have uh, Burrell and Kenneth George Jr. and Elante Taylor at, at corner, but do you think those guys have a chance of really seeing some time? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, once again, depth is a huge thing this year just because – somebody asked me the other day, what what do you think about this defense? I mean, the, the transfer portal, we, we see guys like Toa Toa, Crouch – other guys leave the program, Emerson, Middleton. And it. I, I think Heifel's done a pretty good job bringing in these transfers uh, like Turnage and Trembley and some other guys just throughout the roster. But it, at the end of the day, and it, it's kind of a lazy answer, but I don't think it really matters that much. Just because you're going so fast on offense, scoring or three and out, I just think Heifel's done a pretty good job just kind of piecing in this roster together with some of the guys that he's lost from the other side of the portal. He's brought a, a couple of guys in, but I think Turnage is a, a nice body that, that can be a factor too. And Kamal Hayden from, from Auburn, I think he is someone else that can really come in and compete, but I'm with that corner spot. I'm really high on Warren Burrell. I, I think he's, uh, showing some really good flashes during his time at Tennessee. Uh, I think, honestly, he can give Elante Taylor uh, at that corner spot a run for his his money. And same thing with Ken George Jr. I think he's – I know he had a, a hiccup a couple years ago uh, off the field, but he's kind of responded to that pretty well, and he's kind of backed that up also with some plays too. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more about Warren Burrell and Kenneth George. Um I know when Elante Taylor came in, it was him and Bryce Thompson, and we were like, oh, man, our corners are set for the next three to four years. And Elante looks great. I mean, he's a great athlete. He's got a great, you know, uh, body uh, and size for corner. For some reason for me, like, I don't know why it's maybe never clicked necessarily in coverage. Like, I think he's very physical. I think he plays hard, so I'm never going to knock that. But I, I, I couldn't agree more that from watching games, watching the spring game, when Kyler and I went and watched the entire practice, like, I thought George and Burrell did pretty well. Um, so I actually feel like corner, we're going to have some, some, some pretty good depth. But I also agree with you that it's not necessarily a lazy answer, but I just don't like – I think But if you take away the guys that left and bring in the ones that we, that we brought in from the transfer portal, like I don't think it, none of it's going to make that, that big of a difference, honestly, with, with defense. Like it's kind of sad to say, but like – I mean, they just don't play a ton of defense in any college football anymore. I mean, Bama, LSU – some of these other, uh, you know, other, yeah, some of these other big time schools were like kind of our last hopes. And now it's kind of like just put the bandaid on, try to, you know, play prevent um, or not kind of bend but don't break, but you're still going to give up. I mean, if Bama's giving up 30 <laughs> points a game or 
whatever. I mean, why is there anyone else going to not be giving up 30, 40 points a game? So I don't yeah. really know if even defense I, even matters too terribly much. Right. And I, I do like two other guys. Uh, I know we mentioned McDonald earlier, but love him. Jalen Tank McCullough, really high on him. Uh, Tramon Flowers, I think he's going to have a good year this year again. And Tyus Fields, then Nico Slaughter, Deshaun Rucker. I think there's some depth there. Yeah. Uh, in the defensive backfield. And I, I can't wait to see Willie Martinez. I ton of respect for him. I, I know Kyler was there at, at Tennessee when he was coaching before. So I, I, I've always been impressed with Coach Martinez, but I think he's got some bodies to work with in the defensive backfield also. I love, I love to marry McDonald. And I hate it because when we went to practice, I don't know if he wasn't practicing that day or if I just didn't notice him. But then when I saw him in the orange and white game, I was like, who is this guy? Like good athlete, good size, um, had really good pursuit, came up, would lay the, lay the wood pretty well. So I'm, I'm excited for, for him and just to kind of see, you know, kind of see how he, how he can develop. Cause I, I think he could be pretty good. But like I was saying about defense, these coaches know they either need, one or two turnovers, one or two, three, four negative plays a game, and maybe get one punt because they're just they're just trying to outscore people, and that's definitely what Heifel's trying to do. If he gets three stops a game, he's probably pumped about that. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's all you really need when you look back last year that like Alabama Ole Miss game. I mean, they both scored forty to fifty points, and. <laughs> Uh, it was no defense whatsoever. So it, that definitely seems like the trend in college football moving forward. Um, so speaking of high-powered offenses, let's go over to the offensive side of the ball in your depth chart. Now, number one question everyone's looking at is a quarterback position. You have Harrison Bailey as your starter right now with, you know, Milton and Hendon being his backups and Maurer all the way at fourth string where, how did you come to that conclusion? Was it a lot of the spring game that that pushed you in that direction um, or anything that you're hearing? All right. So with, with Brian Maurer, I'll, I'll start with him. And I probably need a new version just because uh, ever since the NIL took effect July 1st, uh, he came on my podcast and we just kind of talked about academics, NIL and uh, really impressed with him. Uh, I think he – I know we all know about his situation. Uh, I guess early last year he came out and was talking about how he almost took his life and everything. So I just didn't – I was not sure if where Brian Maurer actually stood uh, with all that going on in his life. So – but after talking to him, it seems like he's really turned the corner. And he, he also mentioned he's got a past history with Josh Heifel – he was recruited by Heifel when Heifel took the job at UCF first year, and he almost committed there. And so he's kind of like Joe Milton. Uh, Milton's got a pass with Josh Heifel on the recruiting trail also. Heifel recruited and offered Milton when he was OC at, and quarter, quarterback's coach at Missouri. So I don't. I, I probably need to put Maurer above Hooker. I, I like Hooker. I know some people are kind of negative on him just based off some film maybe he's a run first type quarterback that's okay maybe he's, if he does have to play that's that's what you're going to see from him but I think right now it's just up in the air I, I think Joe Milton is a, a guy that was brought in for a reason so we'll see how that plays out and we all know if you don't get developed uh, at the quarterback position at a certain school it's not necessarily a knock on the quarterback 
but I, I think watching this spring, uh, from what limit, limited stuff we get to see in practice on the media side, there was a ton of quarterback development just from first couple periods that we get to see. And that's a whole lot more than the last couple of years uh, from, from the previous coaching staff. And I think that just goes a long way. And I think people like Brian Maurer, people like Harrison Bailey are going to benefit from that. And I know Harrison Bailey took over the official University of Tennessee Instagram account and went live a few weeks back. And he was walking through the, the locker room. I guess guys were finishing up working out, whatever. But you can tell he's got the players, uh, his teammates on his side. And that, that kind of sticks out, too, that he does have the locker room and the respect uh, from various people in, in that video. So I think it's just wide open. Uh, I, I definitely think Brian Maurer is, is there. But, it, I mean, he may have turned the corner, but it still comes down to actually producing when it counts, whether that be in a scrimmage or on an actual game day. So I think right now I would still keep Bailey right there, but I think Milton is a guy that we should keep an eye on because even if he's not maybe the the, the, the full-time starter, I think you can see him in certain packages or situations, short yardage, goal line, uh, that type stuff. And I, I'll say this, uh, before I came on, actually I did a podcast with Phil Still and Feels really good when he uh, previews his magazine before it gets published about the coaches that he talks to. And he tweeted out a few months back that he talked to Alex Golish. And so I was asking him how that went. And he mentioned Golish uh, was talking a lot about Milton. So uh, that's another angle that, that we should keep an eye on with Joe Milton since he's being, I guess, talked about pretty high from people like Golish. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I, I mean, we talked about it in earlier podcasts, but I just, I feel like the hill that Milton has to climb is just so huge with these guys that are already here that are performing well that, you know, I, I coming out of spring thought Brian Maurer was the starter, like just the swag he had about him, the confidence, his, his ability, his, his, you know, how he played during the spring game when you know, before that spring game, seeing him in certain games, you're like, ah, he doesn't quite have it. He doesn't have it quite figured out. But watching that spring game, it looks like he's got it under control now. He knows what he's doing and, you know, the connection with Hypel. So out of that spring practice, out of that spring game, I thought for sure he's a starter and it was his spot to lose. But, I mean, if Milton comes in here and is able to take that from whoever it is, from Maurer, from Bailey – then obviously he did a very impressive job. I think I just – I hear a lot of people uh, when I'm talking to people and they're like, why would we bring in Milton if they were happy with the people here? And I, I just disagree with that. Like as, as a coach, it's your job to put the very, very best that you can on the field. So you might be somewhat happy with, with what you do have, but if you feel like you can upgrade in any way – or if you can add depth in any way, or just take a flyer on a guy. They see Milton, they're like, all right, four-star coming out of high school, uh, big kid, got all the attributes. Like, why would you not take him? Because if he comes here, and like we talked about with Taylor on an earlier podcast, like if he just doesn't have it up here, that's okay. But you know how all these coaches are. All these coaches feel like they can fix anybody. They can coach you up. They can do all this stuff. So I don't think it was necessarily an indictment on who we had. I just think it's smart by Hype to be like, we got another – 
another uh, bullet in the chamber. Let's let's see how he does when we get a hold of him. And so I don't know. I, I personally think I know when we went to practice, it looked like it was Brian Maurer's team the whole practice. That could have been just that practice, and he was getting the one reps, and that's what they because I know they were rotating that. Uh, but I mean, I, I definitely think Harrison Bailey has an opportunity. I love what I saw from him. I definitely think he's the best passer of who we saw between Hendon and Brian because Brian's just so up and down. He'll hit a great throw one dime and then he'll sail it 10 yards over someone's head. Um, so I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's one of the most fascinating things in my lifetime of watching to see who's going to start. Um, and I just keep going back to the fact that, like, I'm just happy because I feel like we do have depth if someone doesn't play well or if somebody gets hurt. So, but I don't know. I'll be very interested when we go back to practice to see how Joe Milton looks for us in person. And then, I don't know if, if you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I'll say this also, th these top coaches that run either air raid or beer and shoot offenses, they love options, especially at the quarterback position. And I think that's another reason why Josh brought in a guy like Joe Milton and Gadsden uh, Moore, the the walk-on from UCF. I was talking to his high school coach the, the other day, and, I mean, he's not going to be a starter or anything like that, but he's good for the locker room. And if guys transfer out, maybe he earns that right to, to get a scholarship because Josh is really high on him also. But these air raid and beer and shoot type coaches, that they just love options. I, I remember when J.G. Garantano went to Washington State earlier this year, I was talking with uh, Coach uh, Rolo Rolovich uh, on my podcast. Just you know, what do you what do you see in JG to come there? And he just said, "Well, he's got a ton of experience. Maybe it clicks." And uh, you know, w with him having a couple other quarterbacks on Washington State's roster, he just said, "I just want a hot hand. I don't care, you know, if uh, you're hot for a couple games and you start to." not do good. I want to put the next guy in. So I think Heifel and some of these other type coaches from a similar type tree kind of think like that also. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense when you, when you break it down like that, but, um, and, and also the, the, the guy coming from UCF, like he can also be a sounding board for some of those quarterbacks in the meeting yeah. room because yeah. he's been in the offense before, he understands what Josh Heifel likes, um, what he's looking for. So he can almost be like in the NFL, uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's an older, older guy who knows a lot about football and can just like help the younger guy progress and, and figure out what he needs to do. So um, no, that's a, that's a really good point. And that, that I was thinking about this the other day too. It's kind of similar to, to Gadsden, the quarterback that came in from UCF, you look at a guy like Grant Ferking. He doesn't play much, but guess what? His brother played at Baylor, which is the same exact offense that Josh Heifel studied at Missouri, and he's implemented into his programs now. Maybe Grant is very familiar because his brother played quarterback in, in that Baylor-type offense, and he could be a sounding board in the wide receiver room as well. That's very true. I mean – Grant's a dang CEO himself. So yeah, he's uh, probably the most mature guy you're going to find on that team, um, which would make a good sounding board. Uh, so we can jump over to the wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I, I think we all, you know, Javante Payton, 
uh, Velas Jones Jr., Jalen Hyatt. Like those are the three guys that are going to be stepping up. Um, but I'm wondering after that spring game, what we saw if Jack Jancic doesn't get some actual playing time because he was very impressive. It seemed like Bailey was on with him. I mean, he was throwing him deep balls the entire time. So who knows if Jack didn't get a touchdown here or there this year? What, 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 what do you think, Dan? Well, that, that, that was, that was good to see also, but it would not be surprised if he gets a few balls thrown to him that first night against Bowling Green because Josh Heifel is going to throw it around that game and he's probably going to unleash it a little bit where everybody kind of gets a touch. So we may see some action from Jancic in that game also. But I, I love it. I, I think the wide receiver unit is stacked. Uh, you look at a guy like Jalen Hyatt who really uh, had some flashes last year in an offense maybe that wasn't really catered to his skill set. And I, I think you could see him at the X position or even when you see those stacks in this Josh Heifel offense, maybe he's a turns into a slot at sometimes. I think Javante Payton is a huge guy coming in from Mike Leach's air raid. And I, I was kind of researching him the other day, talking to Payton's old uh, coach in, in high school and middle school. And he mentioned that we all know with, with Leach's air raid offense and, Peyton, uh, for people that think he may have uh, committed to Mississippi State because of the air raid, Mike Leach, he actually committed to Joe Moorhead. So he kind of went through some coaching changes. But going back to what his coach said, we all know Leach is air raid mesh heavy, right? And Heifel played for him in, in college, but he doesn't run mesh anymore. And I think that's why Peyton kind of gravitated to a, a system like this. Because I just don't think from the slot, he's that mesh type guy to, to run those certain routes. And I think now with his speed, you can do the, the stacks uh, with the slot top receiver and the X or, or a Z top receiver and get him on vertical shots too. So I think a guy like Peyton is really going to come in here and has a, uh, a pretty good chance to, to do something right away in this offense. But Bayless Jones Jr., another guy, I think he's going to continue how he ended last year. Uh, really good talent, upperclassman, so you kind of know what you're getting out of him. like to see what Cedric Tillman can do. I know Jim Chaney talked about him pretty highly last year. We all know that the season did not go how it, you know, a lot of people wanted it to, but I think Cedric may have a chance to do something in this offense. Uh, Jimmy Holiday. Another body, Ramel Keaton, he's back. So I just think there's a lot of options and a different type of uh, skill sets to, to work with in the wide receiver room. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what that's what we talked about after leaving that practice that day. And I mean, Kyler and I both agree that it, I think there's so many options that it doesn't really matter who you're going to put in at wide receiver or, or running back for that matter, and and they're all going to. And they're all going to produce, you know, pr pretty well. I just think that's, I think it's a, it's a compliment to Heupel because I think he's going to put people in position. But I also just think it's a compliment to all those kids. I think all those kids are going to be, you know, pretty good players for Tennessee. Like I said, wide receiver room and and backfield room. I mean, I I, I couldn't have been any, any more impressed with all the running backs I saw. And you know, hell, I I loved one, and I found out that he was the guy that transferred from Maryville College. You know, so I mean, that's just like. Yeah, you know, he, it's just, he, he, I like him too. He's a 
he's hanging in there. It'd be good to see good to see him get some action. Yeah. I mean, I just think I just think the wide receiver, I mean, I, I, I guess offensively, and we can transition to that if you guys want, or Kyler, if you have anything to say on the running backs or the or the wide receivers, but like I just think the tight end is gonna be kind of interesting to see if it's you know, all Austin Pope or if if we got some other guys coming in there. I mean, I remember talking back, um, and I loved um Oh gosh, I forgot his name. Name the tight ends real quick. Not Jacob Warren, but um, Princeton fan. Princeton fan. I love Princeton fan. He's been there a while. I think he's good size. He balled out at practice when we were there. But like, he's just been around the program for a long time. Like, I think he could be pretty pretty valuable. And 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 at times, I just don't know how much we're gonna, you know, use the tight end and how much you think they're gonna use the tight end. In this offense, the tight ends would be used all the time. That's just how they do things uh, like I said I've, I've been studying this offense and it goes back to that Baylor offense that they just it's that beer and shoot type principle and they're they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> go back to the orange and white game I think it was Fant that on the interception he was actually flexed out and the reason why it was the interception is because he wasn't able to jump high enough to get it just because he's so big stature but you're either gonna flex these guys out bring them in line uh, 12 personnel, 11 personnel, 21 personnel. They're, you're going to see a lot of different things. but And I, I think something that gets maybe not a lot of attention towards for this offense, for Heifel's offense, is that he likes to run the football. And Bingo, we yes. saw that. Yeah, in that open practice, he, he spent a good maybe 20, 30 minutes so everybody could watch just running power and counter. He, he wants to perfect that because that's a huge part of his offense. I think tight ends will be huge. I, I, I can't wait to see what Jacob Warren does. I think he's a guy uh, that has hands. I think he's bulked up quite a bit just because that's how Pruitt wanted to use him in that offense. But now that he's got a little bit of bulk to him, he still has the hands. and I think he could potentially be a factor in this offense. And Austin Pope, it's good to see him back because I think he's a guy that can – really be a key blocker especially in the run game it's i know kyler's itching to talk and i know he's i'll, I'll let him let him go but it's so funny you said that because that was actually going to be one of my next questions was how how well do you think this team's going to run and i've said it and kyler said it, like everyone wants to think that hypo is going to come in throw it everywhere and uh just pass 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 i think he i think a i know he's a smart guy um but like you have to run the ball to try to control the clock, give this defense some time, um, try to um, be balanced. I just think it's so important to run the ball, do your best to, to control the line of scrimmage. If you can't control the line of scrimmage, still do what you can on the ground game. So I'm so happy you said that because I don't think people, I don't think we're going to be like Mike Leach and, and, or, or, um, you know, some of these other air raids where we're just throwing it 70 times a game and we're handing it off 15. I, I personally don't think, I think it's going to be a lot of running, play action, taking shots downfield, some dink and dunks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I think he knows how important it's going to be to to run the ball. Yeah, that's a great point, Reed. I'm glad you're talking about the running game. Uh, makes me want to move into the offensive line. So the depth chart that you put out, it actually lines up exactly with what I said. Um, after the spring game, the starters across the offensive line. So we are on the same page. There has been this, you know, connotation that we have no depth. 
we don't have any offensive linemen because some of the guys who left in the transfer portal. But when I look at these guys, when I look at the players that we have, we got a lot of depth. We got a lot of good players, and I'm really not nervous at all about this offensive line. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it's a it's a good, manageable offensive line. I think for all of the first-year head coaches since Philip Fulmer had his last year after the 2008 season, I think that Josh Heupel has the most to work with, especially from a depth perspective throughout the whole unit on the offensive line. I mean, you look at left tackle, Dane Davis has really come on. Uh, you got a guy like Calvert who's really going to push him too, would not count him out. And then Jerome Carbon, he's got a ton of experience. James Robinson, uh, you got the Mays guys, uh, center, right guard. I think that's pretty much well established right now how you're going to see that. And then right tackle, Darnell Wright. And, you know, Calvert can be right there too. And Jeremiah Crawford, he, he was signed by Heupel back in February. So maybe he's a, a Juco guy that can come in and really provide something there on the depth end. But I think, I think you're right. I, I think this is a pretty good offensive line. I think it's underrated. It kind of fits to what they want to do offensively, especially a guy like Dane Davis, who's can be a little bit agile at, at that left tackle position if they do decide to keep him there and make him the starter. But yeah, I, I, I think it's good. I mean, Carvin, he can play center also if needed be, if, if Cooper's hurt or banged up. Yeah, I, I, especially the interior, I feel like we have the most depth. Um, because, like you said, Carvin and Spragans, um, then Chris, which I'm not even going to try and say his last name because I'll mess it up. But, like, all, all of those guys are, are – good guards and can also snap like they're also practicing that throughout practice so the depth inside is 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 key because there's going to be an ankle rolled up on there's going to be somebody you know dealing with an injury at some point so we're going to have to have depth on that interior line it happens every year um i mean my last year my senior year i was the only offensive lineman that played the whole year everyone else missed a game had to, you know, be replaced. It, it was it was a revolving door on the rest of that offensive line. So depth, depth, depth is very important when it comes to that. Um, but I, I'm very happy to see it. Now, when it got, we've gone through the depth chart. We're recording this uh, this weekend before SEC Media Day. What exactly are we looking for? to come out of SEC media day. I mean, is it just uh, here's a chance for these guys to promote themselves? Um, I mean, is there going to be something that everyone's searching for or everyone wants to hear from Heupel or the, the players that are going there just to like from a journalist's side from, a, you know, media guy's side of it. What, what exactly are we looking for out of SEC media day? Yeah, with Bayless Jones Jr. and Elante Taylor both going uh, or joining Josh Peiple at SEC Media Days, I think it would be neat to, to hear from Bayless in a group setting with a lot of reporters just because it's a chance to talk to him about this offense and, and maybe 
get his thoughts of, of uh, it's a drastic change for, from last year. So I think that'll be good to hear from him. Uh, Alante, he's done well on the academic side. He's kind of earned that opportunity to represent Tennessee in Hoover. So it'd be good to hear how he's matured and, and done well during his time. But I think Josh Heupel, uh, it'd be interesting to see how he handles a situation like this. Uh, I think uh, Pruitt and, and Butch and the other coaches did a pretty good job. And I don't think uh, we've had any like bad situations at SEC Media Day since Derek Dooley said, you're not going to push Tennessee around anymore. So uh, I think Josh will come out there seeing how he plays the media or handles the media. He's kind of short answered a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see how many questions get fielded to him. And maybe he dives a little bit deeper into certain questions, talking about offense and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if he can give anybody a better understanding of his offense, you know, us fans would appreciate it. Now he doesn't want to give too much away uh, for those other coaches, but <laughs> it's that Derek Dooley thing. Oh boy. <laughs> um, didn't quite live up to that. How long do uh, each of the players and the coaches get? And then is it for me today you're kind of almost – this sounds terrible, but, like, I'm not saying you in particular. I'm just saying kind of media. Like, you're just waiting to hear not necessarily someone mess up, but maybe somebody say something that you didn't think they were going to, maybe a little a little nugget in there. Yeah, so at SEC Media Days with the – well, I guess I'll start with the coaches. Uh, so the head coach will be in the main room for, I think it's at least a good 45 minutes, uh, 30 to 45 minutes at least. And there's an electronic media room also. It's a small room, probably like 40 people in there for, for media personnel. And so it's more of a casual Q&A type deal. So then you have the the players kind of more in a scrum type setting like you would see after practice or whatnot. I don't know if it's going to be set up like that this year just because they're really strict about this COVID protocol still and they're limiting the number of people for media and trying to distance people that are there. So I don't, I think what you're going to probably see from a student athlete standpoint in the main room is you could be behind a, a podium like the head coaches are just to kind of keep that organized. But in, in terms of, uh, I guess, listening to, to players and coaches for those nuggets. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's always huge to hear how they handle the media. Cause I think it's a big aspect. And I kind of go back to the Brian Maurer situation. You don't know who is going to be really well-spoken in, in these media settings and, maybe you get certain players that aren't as equipped to handle that. And that that's why I think in this NIL age, it's, it's going to be really neat to hear from different players as, as time goes on, because we all know that the university likes to keep it at a minimum of who actually talks to the media. So I think that's the, what I look for the most uh, at SEC media days, just hearing from certain or different people. Uh, Elon Wolf's a good example from a couple of years ago. Not the biggest name on the team, but it's kind of neat to see him uh, be in that setting, finally get to hear from somebody like that. Yeah, and ironic that he got SEC Media Day and then he ends up transferring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, love Eli. 
Love that. Love that guy. Love Ethan too. Got a chance to play with both of them, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this season. I, I, you know, really do like the depth charts you're putting out. Um, can't wait to talk about it more once we get into fall camp and get closer to the season starting and see exactly where we're at. And, you know, maybe whenever they announce a starter, I don't even know if they do it before the first game, they might just throw them out there. Um, but uh, I, I very much appreciate you coming on, Dan. It was, it was great having you um, and great to get your insight on all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Keep up the good work. I've, I've came across your podcast, so you, you guys do a good job. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're just trying to figure it out, so I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening wherever you can uh, find podcasts. Uh, thank you to Dan again for coming on, talking some ball with us. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out, if you want some topics for us to cover, uh, you can contact us, believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com and the phone number 865-322-9232. Um, also rate, subscribe, like, share with your friends and family. Let, let them know what we got going on. Uh, follow me on social media at Kyler Kerbison, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, as always, go balls. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.